0: Cool. we live. I'm joined today by Ben Davis, who is the founder of Try Now. So Ben, give us a little intro into your backgrounds and how you got started in e-commerce.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Um, so, so my background, I was running a direct-to-consumer apparel brand. And we were on Shopify Plus. We wanted to offer a try-at-home model. We had really soft material, incredible garments, um, and just figured we have so much confidence in our product. Let's just get it into as many homes as possible. And so we had a thesis around try home. If we could allow people and allow shoppers to try this product at home, see the fabric, see the fit, see the style and the comfort of their home, they'll love it and they'll pay for it and they'll keep it. Um, and so there's no software that existed. So we built try now to enable any D2C brand to offer a try at home
0: model. Amazing. And how have you grown the company to date?
1: Yeah, so we've grown. There's been inbound, there's been outbound, uh, but at its core, we've we've uh, we've, we've built out a, a small sales team, but it's really come from referrals. Um, we launch we launch a business, and um, the growth that we drive for for our brands is very significant. And so those founders, know other founders that could also benefit from the product. And so we've really built out a strong community of, of folks that really uh, understand the try at home model and, and want to see it grow.
0: Amazing. So let, let's let talk a little bit about those growth factors, like how you can move the needle. Um, I've seen on the sites, obviously you've put stuff around how try now can improve conversion rates, order yeah. value return on ad spend, like what type of results from people who've implemented the software have you seen and how do you think it improves moves the needle on all three of these?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, like at its core, what we do is you can really boil it down into two things. We drive more orders and we drive bigger orders. Um, So let's take an apparel business, for instance. Uh, More orders would be if a hundred people come to the site and three people convert, maybe we can get four people to convert, right? So we can lift that conversion rate from 3% to 4%. That's more orders and more orders manifest itself in a higher conversion rate, decreased CPAs, increased return on ad spend. So basically any dollar that's spent on marketing that doesn't promote a try-before-you-buy offering, from our perspective, leaves money on the table. Um, so that's, that's the more orders piece. You get more orders to convert. On the bigger order side, uh, we, we increase AOV. And so we don't care so much about gross AOV, what they ordered. We care about what they kept, so the net yeah. AOV. So after returns, are, are you, is, the, is the merchant bringing in more revenue for a try-now order versus a buy-now order? So the best the best analogy here would be, and let's say you go into a fitting room uh, or go into a store. I'm the sales associate. You want to try on that sweater or maybe a pair of jeans. Um, I say, hey, Adam, before you go into the fitting room, give me your credit card. I'll charge you for $272.36. But if the sweater doesn't fit and, the je- and you don't like the jeans, you can go to the front and get a refund. You'd say, Ben, that's crazy. I'm not going to buy it before I try it. Right? Yeah. And we would never operate a brick and mortar store that way. Why do we operate our online stores that way? And so when you contextualize the conversation that way, you understand how buying before trying restricts growth. And when you flip the model, you unlock growth.
0: Interesting. So another nail in the coffin of the retail model, I suppose as well, you fill in a gap. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think
1: we'll always see brick and mortar stores, yep. but I think, you know, for 20, we're 20 years into e-commerce and e-commerce is still only 20 percent of the total market yeah. um so you know while brick everyone's talking about brick and mortar is dying it, it really isn't it's just reinventing itself um but yeah. what i think what it speaks to is like a very human uh, uh, an ingrained human need to touch and feel that product right and so like you're we're, we're adding items to the cart and one of the biggest problems in e-commerce is cart abandonment mm-hmm. Um, you add items to the cart, the cart price goes up, goes up to two hundred dollars to three hundred dollars to four hundred dollars with every item that you want to try on. And checkout anxiety creeps in, right? Will this swimsuit be flattering? Will this dress fit? Will these jeans will these jeans be too long? Uh will this shirt uh you know fit well in the shoulders? You have all these questions and you have all this uncertainty, which is totally natural. Um yeah. but when you but paying in the face of that uncertainty is unnatural. Um, and that's and so that's that's what we're really addressing.
0: That's interesting because obviously if you eliminate bias remorse, are you seeing any positive uh, metrics on retention as well? Because consumers feel more confident to come back and shop with you because of this model?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we actually just did an LTV analysis uh, for one of our brands uh, that's been live for 18 months now. So we were able to look at the LTV at a six month basis, a 12 month basis and an 18 month basis. And so at the 18-month time mark, um, the LTV of try-now shoppers are 37% higher. And that's driven by both uh, AOV increases, but also frequency. You're, we're in many ways, we talk about more orders and bigger orders, right? So we increase conversion yep. rates by a minimum of 20%. And we increase average order value after returns by a minimum of 30 30 to 40%. Um, but LTV is the metric that we also really care about. Um, and, and, that's, and and we can move that, that significantly, but it comes down to differentiating your shopping experience, right? So like brands yeah. have really differentiated products and how can you differentiate, how can you create a shopping experience that's as differentiated as the product itself? And if you do that, you drive repeat purchases. You're really competing for share of wallet in many ways.
0: Amazing so it sounds to me like that because it moves the needle on so many of the key metrics everyone in e-commerce is looking at it is there any objections to when you talk about the software to people from apparel and fashion brands who may be skeptical what are the main objections that you get in regards to the software
1: yeah the the I would say there's one objection that we get every time, right? you say, Hey, we're going to increase conversion rates. We're going to increase average order value. Makes sense. If you're allowing shoppers to try at home for free, I get that though. So everyone understands the power that a try at home model can drive. And the one objection that we get every single time is what about return rates? Yeah. And it is a totally natural objection. It's an objection that I had myself when I was running, a direct to consumer brand. You know, I was I was trained and I was thinking that return rates will kill my business. High return rates will 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 eat away your margins. And at Try Now, we have a very contrarian view on that. High return rates can be healthy for your business. That's our point of view. And historically, return rates going up were a bad thing because you couldn't increase conversion rate, average order value, LTV by significant amounts, right? Historically, conversion rate and average order value are very stubborn metrics. And so in that, that, if those metrics are fixed and return rates go up significantly, you're just losing margin. In the new model with the try home model, when you're able to increase average order value significantly, you're able to unlock conversion rates, you're able to decrease cart abandonment rates significantly. All of a sudden, return rates going up um is a natural perspective and so we're really switching uh the paradigm from thinking about return rates as a as an evil uh villain i mean instead think just thinking about returns as a natural end to the transaction
0: yeah and obviously you've got that factored into the margin like you said because you're increasing aov you're increasing the conversion rates um there's much more trust in the buying process then you suppose you can you can account for more um returns as well who um is paying for the return is it the customer or the the brand itself the brands do
1: um in some cases the shoppers do uh, it depends what the brand has set up so if the brand has um if the brand has uh, free returns then they'll just keep their existing systems we typically recommend free shipping and free returns and at its core what, what we focus on at try now we help our brands really operationalize the model. So our customer success team uh, and growth strategy team comes from Stitch Fix um, and really works closely with our with our teams to ensure that they're driving profitable growth. We don't, at Try Now, we really don't like to talk about growth without the word profitable in front of it. So everything we do is focus on driving profitable growth. And yep. uh, brands are going to pay an increase in return cost uh, by products that go out and then products that come back. But if you're making much more money to offset that increase in return costs you know then that's what that's what we're focused on on ensuring occurs
0: yep good to see the the focus is on profitability and i think that like you said that paradigm shift seems to be happening across all the industry with the imminent changes to ads and everything people are becoming much more prudent about how profitable they can run the e-commerce businesses
1: yeah so it's, uh, it's been pretty remarkable to see the increase in CPAs just over the, I mean, even over the past year, but, um, over the past three, four years, it's just changed dramatically yeah. how to scale a business. And it's great. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great and renewed emphasis and focus on LTV and retention as well, which you know something that you, you know so much about Adam. Yeah. I like think so. <laughs> yeah. Question for you. How do you think about, um, email marketing and retention, uh, as it relates to, to card abandonment and, and try now email and, and try now marketing and email marketing.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been pretty vocal um, on email in general, I think as well as a conscious shift going on where the old strategy, of course, like the, the basic automations and flows that you have set up are, are necessary and more focused on conversion. But I think there's a more holistic play coming into to focus now with email, whereas because like you were talking about, the CPA is becoming more and more expensive. You're not going to be able to keep loading people up the top and then going, like, ah, it doesn't matter if they unsubscribe or they report as a spam or they don't open. As long as we build the list, you're going to have to scrutinize those metrics on how many people you're losing because it's going to be much more costly to acquire them. So, I mean, yeah, if TryNow can help lower the CPA, then that it's even better for email as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you, you know, one thing that many of our email marketers at the brands that we work with are use, use discounts to incentivize the purchase, um, they're helpful um, for sure. Um, and uh, however, I think over the past year, it's been a very discount heavy environment. Yeah. Many of our brands have used Try Now to also transition away from discounts, I and mean, the reason say. yeah 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 and so, so we actually recommend uh we we recommend all of our brands when they when launching a try now program to eliminate discounts from the try now purchases and orders and we can do that programmatically through our integration with shopify nice and the reason why it's not needed is when you add a bunch of items to your cart uh, let's say you have a 300 cart well the price of that cart is zero dollars and so 20 percent off of $0 is zero dollars is zero dollars so it doesn't further incentivize a purchase yeah so we can we can eliminate discounts while still driving driving growth and it's also helpful just from a, a brand image uh perspective as well
0: well that is another thing that you can bake into it the, the profitability as you said because if you offset the amount of discounting a lot of apparel and fashion brands do to grow the revenue, then that's a, a, another win for you guys. Because like you said, the the returns, the cost involved in that will be offset because you're much more profitable from having to limit discounts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So with, with all this being said, are you do you have any predictions whether brands will fall behind if they don't move towards this model? I know obviously you're gonna be a bit biased here, but what do you think from the people yeah. who've moved it out has anyone said we want to go back to the old way? Or is, is it the retention really high for you guys?
1: Yeah, it's really I mean, once you see the results of, of implementing a try now model, it drives growth significantly. It catalyzes massive growth. A um, branch need to be ready for that increase in returns. Um, and so as long as you are, as long as you have the yeah. as long as you're expecting that, um, it is a strategy that works every time. Uh, yes and now, of course i am biased but i think that we're seeing a similar trend to what happened with free shipping and free returns mm-hmm. so in 2005 amazon prime launched and in 2009 or so amazon prime became uh very prevalent and free shipping and free returns became expected and demanded by the shopper yeah um and bonobos was probably one of the first d2c brands to offer free shipping free returns and others started offering free shipping and free returns as well people thought that that was crazy at the time you're going to pay for free shipping you're going to pay for returns Um, that's that's wild it's going to eat away at your margins but what happened is the brands that started offering free shipping free returns grew the fastest it increased conversion rates it drove great growth so the first 25 percent of the people of the brands that moved that direction, drove incredible growth. The next 50% uh, drove solid growth and the remaining la- the lagging 25% of brands kind of just were forced to do that. They just didn't, they didn't have a choice in order to yeah. compete. They needed to. So I think like any market changing trend, the first group of brands that move towards this model are going to benefit the most. The next group will benefit really well. And they kind of assume less risk, right? What if the try it now model? doesn't 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 pan out to be uh, the next big thing, um, but over time uh, I think the the returns will be diminished over time, of course. Uh, but the brands that move quickly on this uh, will see some really strong results.
0: Very interesting. It's a revolution,
1: and I think you know the so free shipping for returns. You can that started in two thousand five, prevalent in two thousand nine with Prime yep. Wardrobe, twenty fifteen or so. Just most brands were doing it um amazon launched prime wardrobe uh, about about a year and a half ago prime wardrobe is a try before you buy offering um and so when amazon launched uh, prime wardrobe in in about 12 months it catapulted them into the world's largest apparel retailer it was an incredibly successful program and something that they're scaling beyond just apparel, um, to accessories, footwear, um, and soon electronics and other categories as well. Prime mm. Wardrobe is going uh, to be the bellwether for this model as well. And so you could think about what Try Now does is what Amazon Prime Wardrobe does, what Stitch Fix does, what Warby Parker does, uh, that yeah. home Try On model, where the infrastructure and the software that allows any brand on Shopify to do that as well.
0: What I love about all of this actually is that it's really focused on the customer and giving them confidence. It's not like a manipulation or a trick. It's just about trust and relationship between the brand and the customer.
1: Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's, it's just, it's, if you're a brand and you have, if you have a ton of confidence in your product, get it in, into as many homes yep. as possible. Um, and if you have confidence in the product, it just engenders trust in that buying process. I often say that we uh, we catalyze the growth of a brand that's selling a great product, and we accelerate the demise of a brand that's selling a bad product. Right? I mean, just we just make it easy for products to get out there. And if you have, if you have a great product, shoppers will love it.
0: That's very interesting, actually. And I think the the change, um, like you said, with the free shipping and the expedited shipping, if. If you see anything um, here, especially in the UK, I know it's a bit bigger in the States, but it takes two or three days for delivery. It's a huge no-no. And, and like, it, it, imagine the amount of court abandonments and um, just people shopping elsewhere when they see that, that type of stuff. So yeah, it sounds like people who don't implement the model will be left behind. And, and again, it just goes back to what can make it more frictionless for the customer. And put the power in them, and I like it.
1: Yeah. We, we often refer to ourselves internally at Try Now. We talk about ourselves as kryptonite for cart abandoners. Um, they were interested in buying that p- product, uh, but they have some uncertainty. They have to pay before they try it, and they abandon the cart. So we help, we're help. we helpful in, exce- in accelerating that time to purchase as well.
0: Well, I need to keep the call to bondsman Ray high, otherwise, no one has any needs for all services. <laughs> there will still there will still be enough abandoners. I'm sure there will. Yeah. So that actually you touched on something very interesting um, before, where you said uh, about Amazon rolling out to potentially electronics. Let me just see where where this question is. Where do they put it? Uh, okay, well, I'll just ask you anyway. So is it applicable to any other industries in the future? Because you mentioned electronics there, but let's say for example a sofa or a mattress a uh, more considered purchase? Do you see its application in other industries? I know it's definitely better suited towards apparel and fashion, but what about, like I said, furniture, mattresses, yeah. um, you know, electronics? Do you see it being rolled out in yeah. those industries too? Yeah, we, we believe that anything that is discretionary
1: should be tried before it's bought. Um, so paper to- paper towels, toilet paper, you should buy that. But anything else, you should try it and uh so i mean footwear of course makes sense apparel is obviously a natural natural vertical for us we work with a mattress company um, that drives incredible growth they're seeing about a 36 percent increase in their uh, return on ad spend um, from promoting try before you buy we work with swimwear uh, uh, in the swimwear verticals jewelry uh, cosmetics fragrances um uh, so some 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 meditation uh, wearable devices um so we work with a lot of different types of products uh, and you know in the in the fragrance space and the cosmetic space very interesting model is emerging where you have the sampling category the sampling space in yeah. in cosmetics right it's so it's a super it's super important super important lever for growth where you send samples to shoppers they're going to see that product they're going to see if they like it um, well, the challenge with sampling is that it's a two-step process. You send the samples to the shopper, they yeah. like the sample, and then have to go back to the website and purchase. And there's a huge drop-off from people who got the samples and liked the samples, but were just too busy, didn't get around to it, didn't go to the site and purchase. And so what we're doing with, with a company called Sniff is, uh, they're a fragrance company um, we're converting the sampling process from a from a two-step process to a one-step process. So Sniff will send the sample to the shopper with an accompanying full-size yeah. product. If they like the sample, they say, great, and I'll keep the product and we'll charge them for it. If they don't like the sample, they just return the full-size product um, and and, and the shopper is never charged.
0: Super interesting. I'm going to make an intro. Actually, we worked with a fragrance brand uh, about a year ago, uh, just on some cons- consultation work. But you're right, because a lot of their flows were built around sampling and then trying to upsell people to the actual product once they received the samples. And they said that was the norm in the industry was to build these type of flows based on that customer journey. So yeah. that a huge win.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We appreciate the intro.
0: It's a, It's a great idea, I love it. Yeah, just less friction and better for the customer ultimately. Yeah. So what What about, and uh, going back to a little bit to objections before, let's say there's a clear difference between H&M and Gucci, like would one or the other be better suited to this model or would it be both? Um, and obviously I suppose margins come into play here on the returns as well. Yeah, so we uh, all, all would work for this model. Um, you know, I
1: think there's, uh, we position this as a premium offering. Um, this is not, you know, this is not about affordability. This is not about splitting something into four installments. This is, this is about the fundamental human desire to try something, to have that ex- experience of getting a package, trying this on, seeing what you like and really converting the living room into the fitting room. And so that works for H&M. That also works for Gucci, LVMH, any other kind of luxury uh, fashion brand. Interesting. You know, the margin profile, we work with brands that are directing consumer brands that have, you know, 60% plus gross margins. We also work with retailers that are reselling other other people's goods um, that have lower margins. Um, it works in either model. And part of our software, in addition to the payment and logistical infrastructure to power a try home model, is also a dashboard and a very robust dashboard. Um, this dashboard enables brands. Uh, to take a look at, in depth at their unit economics to ensure yeah. that the gross profit of a try now order is as high or higher than a buy now order. So we'll, we'll track that incremental return cost. We'll, we'll track that in, incremental pick and pack rates at the warehouse, that incremental per package on the outbound and the return. So we'll, we'll be able to assign costs on an order basis uh, to say what, would, what was the profitability of that order yeah. Um, and how does that match up to, to the profitability of your own or- orders? You know, for a brand like Universal Standard, um, they're, a, they're a large women's apparel brand. Um, they're venture-backed, but they have a huge focus and emphasis on profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and try now has been a driver for profitability. We've driven top-line growth tremendously for the brand, but we've also driven profitable growth and an unit economic basis. And so that's, you know, if you were if you were to stigmatize try now, people would say, well, you're you're decreasing margin profile. And it's the opposite. What we're focused on is increasing the margin profile by eliminating discounts, increasing the order size, decreasing CPAs, and you end up with more cash uh, per order.
0: Amazing which is what everyone wants. That's the end goal. Yeah. What I like as well about a lot of what you've described, um, and I touched on this briefly before, it seems like the really good brands that stand behind the products are the ones that win in the end, and that's better yeah. for the customer. And the the cheap people who are just looking to make a quick book are going to fizzle out with this type of model. Yeah.
1: We, we are a lever for that. Um, and, we're happy to, to play that role. Um, I think it's a net net good for good good for the sh- good for the shopper, good for the industry um, a, a, as a whole. You know, I think the direct to consumer brand is uh, there. There are folks who are making looking to make a quick buck, like you mentioned, but most of the brands, the brands that we work with, are the brands that are so confident in their product um, yeah. that they want people to try it. If you don't have the confidence in your product um, and you don't feel like You just need to need to get into more homes. And if you do get into more homes, so keep it. If you don't feel that you're probably not a great fit for, for a try home model.
0: It really is a revolution in the industry. What what I'm thinking of actually is whether we should do a B2B version of, of try now as well on services.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, how, how do you, how do you imagine that, that working?
0: I think it, it depends obviously on the type of service. I think probably one of the issues with us is that, um, especially we're trying to really differentiate on design. If you can put a lot of effort into a deliverable and then if you don't get paid for it, if someone's just shopping around, then that's a, that's a big issue because we've still got to pay the staff. However, that's because I don't know the data, right? Like on how many people will convert. Maybe if you said like only one in 10 people would walk away then that would be better for us to still do it because there'd be a net gain at the end of it. So yeah. Yeah. You've gave me some food for thought. Maybe I'll try it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Let, let, let them try it before they buy it. Um, I think it's done, it's done in so many industries in in different ways Um, it's done in uh, the car industry, right? You go test drive a a vehicle. Um, It's done in the golf industry. You go, you go hit some golf clubs before you, before you buy those golf clubs. Yeah. Um, It's done in the software industry. Uh, Our team uses Monday.com. We were using the free version and then we we ran out of, we ran out of credits and we wanted more functionality and, and now we're paying for, for uh, you know, the enterprise version. So it's done in every industry. And I think it's, it gives the buyer confidence that the product is worth the money.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Actually, I'll tell you something I think we talked yeah. about it on LinkedIn the other day. We built a very flexible retainer model. And I know the traditional agency model was to sort of get someone on a six month to one year contract and then lock yeah. them in. Um, I, I just thought it seemed counterintuitive for not just the customer, but also us as well, because if something's not working out, why do you want to prolong that relationship? It yeah. doesn't make sense. Not good get- for anyone. Yeah, it's not good for anyone. So we offer a 30-day um, cutout period at any time on uh, campaign and account management. And to be honest, since we've rolled it out, we haven't lost anyone, and I'm not worried at all because it gives them the confidence. And if it does go sour the relationship, then it, it's fine. We've got the option to get out as well. So it's a win-win yeah. for both.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i so aligned in that mentality. We, we also, we, we don't believe in... in... Annual contracts. Um, we firmly believe in monthly contracts, um, and for us, it's even daily. Um, we, we don't we effectively don't have a time commitment. If we're not driving growth, the brand should not use us. They should turn us off, um, yeah. and you know we shouldn't make any money on that. Um, and and the brand shouldn't pay us for that. So. Um, when I was running a brand, I can't tell you how many times I was you know, two-year contracts, three-year contracts. It's like I can't even think about what's happening next quarter, let alone what's happening in a year or two years yeah. from now. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, I think it's a misalignment of incentives to have annual contracts. In some cases, that makes sense, but they're few and far between in general, particularly in the e-commerce software space. Um, I think, I think contracts beyond monthly. Don't make a ton of sense.
0: I agree with you and transparent pricing as well. That's another one that really gets under my skin sometimes. Um, But I think ultimately in all of this, the customer wins and the brands that stands behind the product or service will win in the end, because if you're just going to pretend and not offer a good service or product, then that transparency is going to let you down ultimately when it comes to the, to buying the product. So it sounds like a win-win all round. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Ben, thank you very much for your time. How can people contact you if they want to find out more? Yeah, great. They can uh, send me an email at ben at trynow.io. Perfect. Well, I'm going to tag you on LinkedIn. So if anyone has any comments, they can post and obviously you can get back to them. But it's been a pleasure. Look forward to catching up soon. And thanks once again for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Adam.
0: Cheers.